0: This is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. My name is Kent, and I'm one of the staff here at the church, and I'm gonna be your tour guide today, and the place we're gonna go is into the future. Uh, Before I do that, though, I want you to talk to your neighbor. What are you doing this afternoon? Tell your neighbor, if someone's sitting by themselves, make sure you include them in on this. What are you doing this afternoon? It just occurred to me, wouldn't it be great if we just all showed up at Doug and Mary Jo's house for lunch? Okay, Uh, you don't really know what you're going to do for sure this afternoon because the future is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen in the next minute. To help us figure out how to walk into the future, we're going to use some words from Ephesians 5. So if you've got a Bible or a device to read Scripture on, I'd like to have you read along with me. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. Ephesians 5:15 to 20.. Before we read this together, I offer this prayer for you. The Lord be with you. Absolutely. Ephesians 5:15. Be very careful, then, how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. You know that we have more access to more information right now than at any other time in human history, right? We can Google anything, and in less than a second, you can get more answers than you could read in a lifetime. So this week I googled, how much information is on the internet? And in just under half a second, I got 5,380,000,000 answers. And all the answers to this question used words like petabyte and exabyte and zettabyte and yadabyte. Does anybody here know what these words are? Anybody? I didn't either so I had to Google what are these words (laughs) and what I found out that these are words uh, that measure vast amounts of data and all these words have anywhere from 15 to 24 zeros after them. I've got an illustration of what a yodabyte looks like. I guess it's yodabyte. That's how many, that's a a quantity of data, a quantity of information and I, I can't really get my mind around it so basically I'm just gonna say that's big that's a big number um, it holds more information than we could ever explore or even imagine exploring which then made me curious about how much information could we actually get into our brains so I googled how much information does the human brain hold and it does not hold this much it doesn't hold a yada of information but I googled it and I got in 0.59 seconds I got 703 million answers to the question and it basically said that our brain holds something like 2.5 petabytes. Helpful? No, I, it's, it's over a million gigabytes in your head. I mean, that's not helpful, so I got this comparison. If your brain worked like a digital video recorder, you, uh, 2.5 petabytes would be enough to hold three million hours of TV shows. Three million hours of TV in your brain, which is kind of amazing because I still can't remember three items on a list, a grocery store list. (laughs) But if you were gonna watch 2.5 million petabytes of, or 2.5 petabytes of video, it would take you 300 years to watch that, that much information. Your brain can store all this. Anyway, Lots of information out there, lots of information in here. My question for today is, does all this information make us any wiser? Yeah. We're going to look at the verses from Ephesians here to try to ask ourselves, how do we move forward into the future with more wisdom? We need more wisdom, and how do we do that? We started this process a couple weeks ago when we opened up in the book of Ephesians with Ephesians 5, which starts with these words, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. This was the very first step in our journey forward, and I'm going to use these steps here to illustrate I'm also giving a challenge to our crew this morning because I'm going way off script from the script I gave them and I'm moving around a lot so we'll see how how well they do. We started two weeks ago talking about those verses in the beginning of chapter 5 which talk about be imitators of God and love. The very first step in our moving forward, wherever we're going, the first step is love. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Does anyone know the great love chapter in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13, correct. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Even though I have all knowledge and can fathom all mysteries, but I have not love, what am I? Worthless. I'm nothing without love. The first step in our move forward is love. We love God. We love each other. We love everyone. Everyone is welcome. This is foundational to our moving forward the second step we heard about last week and Stephen did an excellent job with the next chunk in Ephesians was talk about being light like light shining in darkness so first of all we love everyone and then we look at their lives and we say but there's deception there's wickedness there's evil what do we do when we see darkness we shine light so we love everyone and when things are broken we want it to be fixed. When there's pain, we want it to be healed. When there's darkness, we want it to be lightened up. So we shine light. First step, love. Second step, shine light. And then the third step is this wisdom that we're talking about today. Okay, and we're going to try to apply this to how we move forward. And I thought it might be helpful, first of all, then, to talk about what it means to be unwise. What does it mean to be a fool? Because we're trying to avoid foolishness. This is what we're trying to do. Did you know that the Bible actually has five different words for fools? There's five different kinds of fools or ways you can be foolish. And I thought, that's too much. We're not going to do all five. We'll do three because these three all appear in one verse. Proverbs 1, verse 22 has three names, three kinds of fools. Proverbs 1, says, How long, O simple ones... Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Three kinds of fools. The first one is the simpleton or the simple one. This kind of fool is a person who's like naive, they're immature, they just don't know better. And because they don't know better, they do dumb things. They do foolish things. The book of Proverbs is filled with descriptions of these fools. If you want to dig a little bit deeper, Proverbs 14 says, the prudent gives thought to his steps, but the simple believes everything. This is a description of the immature, the simpleton, the person who's not wise. They're like gathering all this data, all these, you know, zettabytes of information that are floating around there. they all considered equally and it's, yeah, it sounds good. It all sounds good because they don't know better. This is what the simpleton does. They're just constantly taking this in. Never heard a bad idea because they're immature. They're not prepared to deal with it. Um, the wisest guy I ever knew was a junior high science teacher. His name was Mr. Langland. He taught at Goodrell Junior High School on the east side of Des Moines. And he was a brilliant scientist, and he also was wise in the ways of men, right? So he took us under his wing and taught us a lot of different things. One of his favorite uh, kind of axioms was the worst possible combination is a smart friend and a dumb friend and the reason for this was the smart friend could think of really crazy things to do and the dumb friend was dumb enough to do them <laughs> so this was a bad combination smart a smart person and a foolish person so I think he maybe developed this axiom by looking at my group of friends and I'm not going to tell you where I fell in this Group, but I'll tell you what good idea somebody had one day. One day somebody had this great idea. Hey, how about if we just shoot some bottle rockets out of our zippers? <laughs> Sounds like a good idea, right? Okay, because the 4th of July is coming, I'm just going to tell you right now not a good idea. <laughs> but, uh, Okay, me and a number of my friends tried this idea because we were just naive. We, we didn't think through it all, right? We weren't prepared for that. That's simpleton. The next kind of fool is the scoffer. The scoffer knows better but doesn't care. The scoffer says, yeah, well, maybe that's the consequence that happened to you, but it's not going to happen to me. So he just watched it, bottle rocket fail in my zipper, and he goes, okay, I'm going to try it in my zipper and see if the same thing happens. That's the scoffer. That's what they do. They're foolish. Not because, I mean they should know better, but they don't care. So they will try it anyway and they get themselves into lots of foolish things. The third kind of of fool mentioned in this verse is the, the stubborn fool or the rebellious fool. They're the ones who hate knowledge. They hate wisdom. And they actually spend their time not only doing foolish things, but trying to instigate other people to become foolish. So the simpleton would say, well, let's shoot the bottle rocket off and see what happens. The scoffer would say, yeah, that didn't go good for you, but I'll bet it go better for me. The rebellious person says, I'm going to shoot it off and you should too. I don't care what happens. They are fools because they're stubborn, they're rebellious. They know it's wicked, they know it's wrong, they know it's hurtful, they know it's unwise and they do it anyway. These three different kinds of fools are all described in Scripture. If we are going to become wise people, we need to identify what kind of fool are we because we all have some of these foolish tendencies. I asked the earlier service, how many of you here can remember back to the day when you were a simple fool? You were naive, you didn't know better. Raise your hand. Like three people in the first service raised their hand. Now like The rest of them were all lying. We, we all go through a phase where we're simple fools and then sometimes we go through phases where we, we scoff, we go, I know what the right thing is to do, but I don't do it anyway. And then we, uh, many of us also become rebels and stubborn by saying, I'm going to keep doing the thing, I know it's wrong, and I'm going to try to encourage someone else to come along with me for that. We've all been there. So we need to figure out what kind of fool are we and what kind of fools are we dealing with. And then that dictates how we respond which is to seek wisdom. And it's different for each of these three categories. Wisdom follows naturally from these first three steps I talked about. So the first thing we do is we say, whatever we do is going to be loving. We're going to love everybody. We're not going to make any exclusions. Everyone's welcome. Everyone deserves to be loved. And when there's darkness in my life or yours, it needs light. We need to shine light on everyone. They need to see this light breaking through the darkness to overcome this wickedness. Love, then um, light, and then now how do I do that? This, This brings us into the realm of wisdom, where we start to understand, you know, there might be different strategies for shining this light, There might be different timing for different people. There might be different content I share with different people at different times. That there is, it's it's important how we deal with the darkness that's all around us. This is the passage. um, This is why um, Paul wrote these words to the church in Ephesus. They're going to love. There's no doubt about it. They're going to shine light. There's no doubt about that. But how do they do that? And to understand this a little more fully, I want you to look at a place where Jesus talked about this. It's in. Matthew 7, where he tells this kind of familiar story. This is about wisdom and how we live it out. Matthew 7 tells this story. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose up and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on a rock. Is it a wise thing to build a house on a rock? Yeah, it's wise. But, Jesus goes on, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose up and the winds beat against it and the house that was built on the sand fell with a great crash. Some of you remember the song we used to sing about this, right? The rain came down and the floods came up the rain came down and the floods came up is there anything morally wrong with building your house on the sand no it's not really that kind of issue is it wise to build your house on the sand no because it's likely to f- fall flat when the storm comes this is the realm of wisdom, and this is why Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus this way, because there are situations they're going to face in their future, and it's not going to be a question of like, is this the loving thing to do? It's not going to be the question of, is this shining light into darkness? It's going to be the question of, how do we love, and how do we shine this light? Paul says, therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Go to God and say, can you show me the path you have for me? Can you help me understand what is the wise path? Do not get drunk with wine, which is foolish. That leads to debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, which is wise. And speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which is wise. And give thanks in all things. Be grateful. This is wise. He's pointing out to these people in Ephesus how to live as wise. The fools follow a path, whether they're simple, scoffers, or rebellious, and that path is their own design, and it's a path that leads to destruction. The wise says, I'm going to listen to the will of the Lord, and I'm going to follow the path he's laid out for me, and that's going to lead to fruit, and peace, and rejoicing, and joy, and we are the kind of people who walk in wisdom, and so we are defined by walking in this path of grace, and mercy, and righteousness and obedience and generosity and gratitude this is all part of what comes with walking with wisdom and it seems to me that there is no better time for us to talk about this than right now because we live in a world that is desperately in need of wisdom don't we and we desperately need wisdom to chart our path into the future and this is why Paul explains this in Ephesians 2. Be very careful then, he says, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When I read these verses, what it does to me, it, it, it ups the sense of urgency for all of this. It, it makes me think, When I look out into the world at my future and the future of the world around me, now is the time for love. Yes? We need to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul. and We need to love our neighbors. We need to love everybody. It's urgent. The the days are evil, we're told. Take every opportunity. And then we look out at the people that we love and we care about and we recognize, well, they're living in darkness this is a bad place. We heard last week, dark is bad, light is good. So don't we want to shine light at them to help them see the light? And i got to confess to you that it's at this stage where I sometimes get tripped up because of my sense of urgency and my sense of passion to say no one should have to walk in that darkness. I, I jump in and sometimes I'm, I'm unwise in how I respond to the darkness that I see. And Steve and I were talking about this earlier this week and we were talking about how to shine light wisely and we noted that lots of the passages in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, it talks about shining your light on, on the pathway. Like if you're stumbling through the woods at night, um, what do you need to see? What's just in front of you? If you're stumbling through the house at night in the dark and the kids left the Legos out, where do you need the light to go? On the Legos so you don't step on them and hurt your foot, right? Right? i confess that sometimes because of my sense of urgency when i feel like something should be done about this darkness instead of shining the light on the path of the person that i care for i shine the light in their eyes does that help them no it it actually makes it worse if you've ever tried to navigate the darkness with the light shining in your eyes unwise in fact i know that there's been times in my life and i recognize that in college i was a lot like this i was very brash and unwise sometimes. So I had some friends who, were, who got into some really bad situations and I wanted to shine light on them. So what I did was I grabbed my flashlight, took the batteries out and threw the batteries at them. There's not even any light there. It's just trying to get their attention. Unwise. Our call as people love everybody, shine light in the darkness and how we do this matters. It matters a lot because there might be A lot of variables that we want to consider and ask the Lord to lead us in. So this brings me to kind of the next step for us in this process, which is these three questions, depending on which step you're at. First of all, what's the loving thing to do? How do I show love to you? And then, second, well, what's the light thing to do? How do I shine light? And then the third big question is, well, then what's the wisest way to shine that light? What's the wisest way to demonstrate this love? And I have a passage to... uh, give an example of this. It's from Mark chapter 2. And what happens in Mark chapter 2 is Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector, to be a disciple. And Levi follows him. And the very first thing that Levi realizes after Jesus calls him to follow him is, I'm loved. And what I want now is I want all of my tax collecting buddies to be loved too. And so, Levi decides, I need, to, I need to shine some light on my tax-collecting buddies. He doesn't call them all in and say, hey, you wicked tax-collecting losers, get your life turned around. What he does to shine light on them is he has a party, and he invites Jesus, the light of the world, come to the party. Come meet my tax-collecting buddies. And so the buddies come to eat, and Jesus comes to eat, And it seems like a very wise tactic. Now, we don't have a lot of detail about exactly what happened in this party, but whatever tactic he used to show love and to shine light, it apparently worked. This is how Mark 2 describes it. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's home, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him, and many followed him. They became followers of Jesus. Well, this caught everyone's attention when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw what he was doing, that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, because it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the right, not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. This is what Jesus does. This is how he lives out this strategy wisely. If I was gonna make another case study, this was completely unexpected. It was the Samaritan's Purse, the story we just heard from Mary Jo Elam. They're like the perfect example of someone who lives out these three strategies. They see something like a war in Ukraine and what's their first instinct? What's the loving thing to do? We gotta go to Ukraine. We gotta be with these people. We gotta care for these people. They're living in darkness, how can we help them? We're not going to go stand on the street corner with like a megaphone and say, hey, you need Jesus. What we're going to do is we're going to build a hospital. And then we're going to put signs up saying, come to our free clinic and we'll shine light in your darkness. And they shared Jesus with them and many came to Jesus Christ. Now, we all are called to live the same way. And if there's anything that I'm sure about our future as a people, as a community, is we're going to continue to live this way. We're going to ask what the loving thing is. We're going to ask how do we shine light. And we're going to ask what the wise thing is. And I have a whole bunch of examples about how we live this out in our families, in our marriages, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our community. I've got a ton of ideas about this. And I'm going to share them next week. So you have to come back for that. Dear Lord God, we come before you today, and I, I want to thank you, God, for your word, because we know that your word is truth, we know that your word is light, we know that your word is life, and thank you for uh, allowing us to hear the truth of your word today, thank you for your Holy Spirit who hovers around this place and opens our hearts to receive from you, and uh, we thank you, God, for Jesus Christ and the example he gave us of how to live uh, how to live like you, how to be imitators of God. God, I do want to pray for our world right now because we know that there are so many people who are living in darkness, so many people who need to be loved, and God, you call us to, to love them. We're going to start by lifting them before you in our prayer and asking you to come near to those who need you. Come near, God, to those who are physically hurting, those who are sick, those who are... Um, dealing with cancer, those who are dealing with uh, end-of-life issues. God, we lift up Pat to you. We lift up Chrissy to you. We lift up Kathy before you. God, we ask that you would touch each of those who have a special need um, physically for your healing touch. Come near to them. God, we also lift up those who are dealing with uh, brokenness in families, in relationships, in marriages, among friends, Uh, amongst co-workers God it can be very messy to live in community and in relationship we pray for reconciliation may your spirit come near and give us wisdom to know how we can reconcile in places where there is brokenness God I ask you to come near anyone who might be here today feeling alone feeling lonely feeling betrayed feeling left out feeling confused filled with doubt uncertain about their future God come near, wrap your strong arms of love around them and use us, God, to love better. God, I pray for our congregation. I pray for uh, our denomination, the RCA, as they're having their annual meeting. I pray for churches that are discerning their futures in relationship to denominations, not just in the RCA, but in the Presbyterian Church and the Methodist Church and in many of our churches there's wrestling with the future give wisdom god and break in by the power of your spirit to give guidance about what is our next step what is the wise way forward help us god to hear your voice and to to follow to understand your will for us god i don't even know what all of the needs are represented by the people here in this room and by those who are watching online but you know each one of us so well that you even know when a hair falls from our head and god you know what is in our future. You hold our future. And so, God, we entrust ourselves to your care. And um, we're thankful that you come near to us, that you're not far off and distant, but that you're close. Thank you for meeting us here in this time, in this place, this morning. Continue, God, the good work that you've started, and we'll be very careful to give you praise and thanks for all that you do, for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.